Okay, so what's the title of this morning's lesson? Working on titles here. Just who do you think you are? And I, I don't know about you, but I've heard that more than enough. <laughs> Sometimes from my own mother. Just who do you think you are? And it's an interesting question, you know, because of what did I just do? What was my behavior? And somebody's questioning me, like, who do you think you are that, to be able to do that? Who do you think you are to say such things? And those are wonderful questions, right? Opportunities to step up. The question is, do we step up when somebody challenges us along that lines? Or, or better yet, do I know who I am? Do I think about who I am? That's an even tougher question. Just who do I think I am? And this is going to go along great with Jeff and, 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 and John and everything we've heard this morning. James chapter 1, verse 22 to verse 25 says, Prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. If anyone is a hearer of the word, not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. Once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of a person he was. But the one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer. This man will be blessed in what he does. So James is saying, you got to look into the scriptures and figure out who you are. And then go live that life of who you are. Don't just think about it. Go do it. Hear, but as well do. And so when people say, who do you think you are? You need to have a good response. But, but more so, wherever I go, whatever place that I present myself, and we are, we, we present ourselves. We present ourselves to our neighbors in our conversation. We present ourselves to people at work. And how should I present myself? Well, who do I think I am? Which is what Jeff was reading this morning. You are a chosen. Well, my New American stand. Oh, I'm sorry. First Peter chapter two, verse nine. You are a chosen people, race. And better yet, you are a chosen family. A royal priesthood. We, we. Of all people in this world are the only ones that can enter into the throne room where the king of kings is. And we can take our prayer requests on behalf of other people. We can present ourselves before God and discuss other people with God so that we can know what to do. Not only a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You once were not a people, but now you are the people of God and not and had not received mercy, but now that you have received mercy. That's who we are. <laughs> we show ourselves before people. That's who we need to remember. I, I belong to a chosen family, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. I'm a child of God. That's who I think I am. And that's how I need to act and respond to other people with that in mind, not from a position of arrogance, but from the position of servants. 
serving other people. First Peter, second Peter, chapter one, verse 10. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. So work on your faith, moral excellence, knowledge. Continue to add those things, right? But be certain about his calling and choosing you. That's the thing I want to focus in on this morning. Because God has called us and God has chosen, right? And the one verse that's always kind of bothered me is Matthew chapter 22, verse 14. Because Jesus says, many are called, but few are chosen. How do I know I'm chosen? How do I know I'm called? So that's what I want to focus in on between those two right there. You know, guarantee your calling and God's calling and choosing you. God has chosen each and every one of us. Do we appreciate that? How did God call us? Well, I think God calls everybody the same way through the scriptures. Jesus says in John chapter 6, verse 44 to verse 45, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets and they will be, they shall be taught of God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the father comes to me. God draws us by the Old Testament. We know. And when you think about it from Ecclesiastes chapter, I think it's chapter three, verse four or four something. You, you go figure that one out. But he talks about God put eternity in everybody's heart. And so we know that there is a God, or at least we know that there's this thing called eternity. And I'm going to chase after it. And it's the word that helps direct me to it. But it's more than just the word. Because God needs me. He needs you to step up and do something. What is it? Matthew 18, verse 20. Go make disciples of all the nations, baptizing. And then people need to be taught because they can't do it on their own. Acts chapter 8, which is just a, one of the neatest examples of reflecting how important you are in this world. Philip goes up to the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8, verse 30. And he asks him, do you understand what you're reading? People in this world don't understand when they get into the scriptures. And the Ethiopian eunuch says, well, how could I unless someone guides me? And he invites in Philip and Philip opens up the scriptures. That's how people are called. It's spreading the seed. And God needs people to cast the seed, to share the word. But here's an idea. Why are we called? Or what are we called to? So it's the word that calls people. And people call people faith from faith. Romans is, is interesting in chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. Among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ. You've been called. You've heard the word. To all who are beloved of Rome 
of God in Rome called as saints. Grace to you and peace from God our Father. You know, I like the New American Standard, but I kind of like how NIV or the King James would put it. We're called not as saints. And don't call me a saint, but I'm called to be. And it's not the word saint. We're called to be holy. You know, saints, saints like one of those words that it just kind of throws you. I'm called to be holy. That's the thing I need to focus in on. I'm, I'm, I'm called to be set apart. Christ cleansed me, but he set me apart for what? For a purpose. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse, verse 8 and verse 9. Paul says, do, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or me as prisoners, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted to us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. We've been called with a holy calling. First Peter 15. I'm sorry, I'm not doing a, obviously uh, a book study this morning, but I'm kind of popping everywhere. So just write them down. You won't be able to keep up. But like the Holy One who called you, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15, you be holy yourself also in all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Wow. And when I am understanding holiness, set apart for the work of God to be that royal priesthood, that chosen people, to what? to do his will, plant seed. We talked about last week, to worship and serve God. And I was mentioning that earlier because when we did the prayer, one of the most important, they're all important, don't get me wrong. But one of the most important <laughs> acts of worship, and you worship God whenever you go, whenever you bow and go into his throne room. We do a collective worship right now. We've got five acts of worship. But we worship God by ourselves. And one of the most important acts of worship when you're by yourself is 2 Timothy. No, it's 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. I mean, think about this and how much do I do this? First of all, then I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions, thanksgivings, be made on behalf of all men, for kings and all who are in authority, so that we may live, lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved, to come to the knowledge of the truth. Am I going before God daily with my neighbors and my friends and my co-workers in my mind? Am I praying for the government? Am I praying for the wisdom and opportunity to share, plant a little seed? That, that, that's so important. And we, we, John chapter one, we talked about it last week. 
He says, truly, truly, John chapter 1, verse 51, you will see heavens opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. And I said, well, you angels can be messengers ascending and descending. Every time you go to God in the throne room, you're ascending and you're descending. You're a messenger. You don't just go visit God. You take a message to him. You have prayer requests. You have needs. That's a message that God can respond to. And then he gives you a message to come back with, right? He gives you ideas. He gives you thoughts. It's a communique so that I can be more effective because I am a royal priest entering into the throne or before the king of kings and I need help. And am I praying daily to get this help, to help this friend of mine, give me the wisdom to say and do and set the example. That's the worship. And then we're also here to serve God. Matthew 25, we talked about it last week. You know, did you visit me? Did you give me a drink? Do you love your enemies? Be sure of your calling by hearing and doing, says James chapter 1, 25. So that's the calling. But here's the one I want us to think about. How did God choose us? Because there, there, there are two different things right here. First Samuel chapter 15. Keep my eye on the time right here. Because I got a thousand verses as usual. Big dummy. First, first Samuel chapter 16. And what do we have in first Samuel chapter 16? We've got Samuel going to anoint the next king. God is choosing the next king of Israel. Daniel 16, verse 7, and he's going to Jesse. And so Jesse has all his sons before Samuel. And Samuel's going, oh, well, look at Eliab. Surely this is the Lord's anointed before him. And the Lord said, do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For God sees not as a man sees for man sees, looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And then in verse 8, the Lord had not chosen this one either. Verse 9, the Lord had not chosen this one either. And it's way down in verse 13. Samuel brought in, in David, verse 12, arise, anoint him, for this is he. Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. God doesn't look at the exterior. God looks at the heart. How does God choose? Well, he looks at the heart. Is the heart seeking him? Is the heart open and honest? Is the heart humble? I'm looking at John, a study of John coming up. But in John chapter 1, verse 47, Jesus comes across Nathanael. And he says to him, behold, an Israelite indeed, where there is no deceit. And Nathaniel said, well, wait a second. How do you know me? Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Whoa, well, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. What do we see here? We see that God knows the hearts of men. And then up John chapter 2. And I think this is what's being taught in at the beginning here in 
in the Gospel of John. When he was at Jerusalem uh, during the feast, many believed in his name, observing his signs, which he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, was not entrusting himself to them, for he knew all men. And because he did not need anyone to testify, for he himself knew what was in a man. But he wasn't entrusting himself to the men. Why? Because he knew their hearts. And then John chapter 3, what's he saying? Verse 5, truly, truly, unless you are begotten from above of water and the spirit, he cannot enter in to the kingdom of God. And that begotten from above, born of God, is what, and how does that happen? It's God knows the heart, but you have to be begotten of God. John chapter 1, as many as received him, those are the ones that had the calling. They received, right? To them, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of man, but born of God. Now, that's an important concept, begotten of God, because God sees the heart, and then God allows the conviction. God opens the eyes to the truth when your heart is open and honest. Matthew 16, verse 17, there's Peter, does the great confession, right? Who do you say I am? You are the son of Christ, the son of the living God, 16, 16. And Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven. God opened up Peter's eyes. Through all that teaching that Jesus was doing, God opens up Peter's eyes to totally understand. Because other people couldn't see. Why? Because their hearts weren't. Right? Now, here's an interesting, and I, I just love this parable coming out of Mark chapter 4. Verse, well, it's the parable of the good seed. Mark 4, 26. The kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed upon the soil. That's our job. And he goes to bed at night, gets up by day, and the seed sprouts and grows. How? He himself does not know. You don't know what's going on in the hearts of other people. The soil produces crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, then the mature grain in the head. But when the crop permits, he immediately puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. You plant seed, but you don't know when the conviction happens. When they are convicted, when God opens their hearts to the understanding, that's when they say, brethren, what do I need to do? Now, if you would have, before I became a Christian, tried to get me to come to church, there's no way I would have gone. Was my heart evil and bad? Well, it was lost in the world, but it wasn't searching. And, and what I'm saying here is you can plant seed in the lives of people, but they may not come around for a year or two i don't do the convicting i do the planting that's what you do god does the convicting and it's when their hearts are turning to god is when he can open their hearts and their minds to uh, to responding to the scripture and that's the choosing god is looking for a seeking heart acts chapter 237 237 uh, there's that the brethren listening to Peter's first sermon and what happens? They were pierced to the heart because they heard the scriptures and they knew that they were convicted, right? 
God opened their hearts to an understanding of the text. Luke chapter 24, verse 45 is another really interesting one. Because the apostles, they, they were with Jesus for three years. You'd think they would start catching on. Well, in Luke 24, verse 45, after the resurrection, Jesus then opened their minds to understand the scriptures. God opens their hearts, opens their minds, right? And I think that's why it's so important when you read in Hebrews chapter 3. He's quoting from the Old Testament today. If you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoke me, right? And to whom did he swear they would not enter his rest, but to those who were what? Disobedient. When you hear the voice of God, it's not a little voice talking. It's when you are convicted in your heart that you are lost. And that Christ came to die for your sin. When that clicks, that's when you respond. And when that clicks, I believe that's God choosing you. It's God opening up because your heart is ripe and it's ready to go. And you're going, what do I need to do? It's back to the Ethiopian eunuch. Uh, chapter 8, verse 36. What's he saying? As they went along the road, they came to the water. And what does the eunuch say? Look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? I don't need to think about this anymore. He ordered the chariot to stop and they both went down to the water as Philip as well as the eunuch and he baptized him. Because his heart was searching. He was reading Isaiah 53 when Philip caught up to him. How does God choose us? Well, I believe when we take in the seed that's been planted and when we start praying to him, when we start seeking him, when he sees the heart is ready, that's when he opens up the understanding. And then we go, wow, what do I need to do? Well, be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And you respond. But it's the conviction that I believe is the choosing. God has not only called us, but chosen us. And then you responded. Armin quoted this morning, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 31. And that's Jesus wants everybody to come. Because he knows everybody can do this. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I am gentle and humble. You will find rest for your souls. My, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. He calls all people. He calls for us to plant seeds. Let the seed generate. Let the spirit do its work by convicting them, opening their hearts because they are seeking But here's the thing for you to think about as you're sitting here this morning. You know you've been called. You've heard the word. And you need to understand he has chosen you because he opened your eyes to understand that, yeah, baptism is absolutely essential. I need to respond and get washed in the blood of Christ. And I know that I have the Holy Spirit when, when that's happened. He, he's called us, chosen us. He's opened your heart because he knows you can do this. You can make it through this life.
or he wouldn't have opened your heart. Right? Would he open your heart knowing that you're totally going to fail? I don't think so. He's opened your heart and he's called you because he knows you can do this. Can Christians fall away? Well, that's what the whole book of Hebrews is all about. We can fall away after we've been what? Chosen? Yeah, after we've been chosen. But God's saying, you can accomplish this. That's why I picked you. You are absolutely vital to me. Therefore, to wrap it all up, who do you think you are? Well, always remember to put into practice what James chapter 1, verse 25 says. The one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of freedom, and continues in it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an active doer, this person will be blessed in what he does. Keep going back to the scriptures. Make sure it was calling and choosing you. Understand. Well, we started with the question, so who do you think you are? You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You've been chosen of God. Now go and let the world know exactly who you are and be very proud of it. And that's my message.